Hey, hey, welcome into This Week in Indiana Football. Man, it's like pulling teeth right now, this Indiana team is a complete disaster to have to come and do this and talk every week about. Just, it's so crazy. Dustin, go and bring Dustin in from Saturday Tradition. I'm kind of ripping the band-aid off pretty early, I feel like, just because at this juncture... I love doing this podcast. I don't want to, and a lot of the stresses with this have been the scheduling aspect. But at the same time, this team has given us nothing to talk about positively, pretty much the entire season. I mean, every week it's trying to figure out what what's gonna, how can you improve this? What's going wrong here? And there's been zero answer. I mean, this is of all the years that I've watched Indiana football, which I would say I've avidly watched. Indiana since like the year 2010 the beginning of the Kevin Wilson era actually the very last season with Bill Lynch was the first time that I started watching Indiana football and I can thoroughly say that this has been the hardest season to watch with the combination of the expectations not being met and just that the overall product is disgusting I mean we were talking on Jim's show today and I, I realize I'm already ranting, and I haven't even let you say a word yet. We were talking on Jim's show today, and I think it was Bob Kravitz who mentioned it, that Indiana has not thrown a touchdown pass to a wide receiver in Big Ten play. They've only thrown touchdown passes to tight ends and or running backs, I assume, but not a single wide receiver has caught a touchdown pass. And that is just, it's awful. It's horrible. And I I'm just going to leave it at that. And Dustin, welcome welcome into this week in Indiana football. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, after you went on a tirade there, not only that, I think uh, Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier, I believe, had the statistic that I don't think Indiana's thrown a touchdown pass to a wide receiver since Idaho. So that was, what, week two? Yeah. Um, Against an FCS. I mean, so you could, you could essentially say, not even just conference play, they haven't thrown a touchdown pass to a wide receiver against an FBS opponent. Yeah, because they didn't I mean, throw yeah, one against all... Iowa. They didn't throw. They didn't have any touchdowns against Iowa. Right. Yeah. So. So. Yeah. That was your. So the better way to look at that is Indiana hasn't thrown a touchdown pass to a wide receiver except for in one game this season. That's the other way to put that. Uh, and you look at think about the expectations that you mentioned when you came into this season. Ty Fogel, A lot of people had him as one of the top five wide receivers, and and this is a loaded Big Ten. So to think about. That uh, some of these other guys, Davon Matthews. I mean, obviously he got hurt, uh, but they've had some options. And then you look at Stephen well, Carr in the running game, single-handedly or pro- self-proclaimed himself as the best wide receiver in the country before the season started. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to knock him too much on that because what I mean, I mean, I, yeah, I, you like want, I get the mindset, I get it, yeah. but at the same time, I don't. A lot of it can be blamed on the quarterbacks, and I know it's not just him or the wide receivers in general. I know it's not just their fault, but when you say something like that, I mean, and it was evident from the beginning. He struggled from the beginning. He got targeted quite a bit against Iowa, and he was dropping stuff. I mean, he didn't look like the best wide receiver in the country, and obviously he's not, but just to kind of <laughs> to piggyback off of, of that comment and, and the magnitude of saying something like that, I don't, I don't know. It wouldn't be as big of a deal if they weren't. What is it? Two and seven now is the record. Yeah, two and seven with three games to play. So that's you know that's fun. We thought this team had the potential to be seven and two, and you know, <laughs> I mean it's just gone completely off the rails. I mean, what uh, a great season! And I, I tweeted this earlier in the week or during the game. What a great season to start an Indiana football podcast. Obviously, yeah, the stars well. had been aligned. It had made sense. Let's do this while while the team's up. Let's let's try to get this fan base fired up about Indiana football. Talk about it every week, but I mean we're we're right. Basketball season's here, and that and when with Indiana that is the focus, and deservedly so. The history's there. You got Mike Woodson coming back. I mean everyone loves their basketball in Indiana, me included. So I mean how, it, it's got to be so hard if you're a player on this Indiana football roster. To get up for the remainder of the season with what's transpired and then where the attention has gone for, for Hoosier fans for the rest of the season. I mean, there's no expectation to do anything. You, I mean, other than this Rutgers game, 
It's Nobody's basically a battle for who's the worst in the Big Ten this weekend. No, nobody, nobody is. Nobody's going to expect you to beat Minnesota. Nobody's going to expect you to beat Purdue. Um, so you're, I mean, we talking. If you don't beat Rutgers, obviously you're probably going to finish two and ten. I, and, and best case scenario, this team maybe they beat one of those final two teams and finish four and eight. That's a maybe um, because Minnesota didn't look very good against Illinois the other day. Yeah, so, Minnesota's still one of those teams where you don't know which one's going to show up. The one that loses to Bowling Green and and Illinois, or the one that takes Ohio State down to the wire, or who else did they upset? I feel like there's another good one they had. Well, I mean, they didn't really have a tough schedule. So, I mean, they did, they just they took care of business against Maryland. They took care of business against Northwestern. They went on the road and beat Purdue. So, they've had some nice wins. They haven't had a that that marquee win. They'll get a chance to get it this weekend against Iowa. But um, by the way, speaking yeah. of PJ Fleck and we're in Minnesota, this is one thing that I wanted to have prepared for the podcast, but I had forgotten about it amidst all the craziness going on right now with with work. Uh, but I don't know if you've seen, I retweeted it, but it was a promoted tweet, so I don't know how that works on Twitter. Have you seen the pizza commercial that PJ Fleck is in? Oh, for, yeah, I have. That's. I think that's an old one, though, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's from the beginning of the season, but I, I saw it for the first time, I guess it was over the weekend during the football games, but it was. he's a way better actor than uh, Nick Saban by far. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's got a, he's got a pretty good he has pretty good enthusiasm for it. What would Tom Allen be like in a commercial? And if he was in a commercial, what would it be for? Insurance? Does he not? Okay, when you're driving <laughs> down the road, look at, his, look at look at Tom Allen's picture. And when you're driving down the road, you know those big billboards with like State Farm, and it's got the guy's picture on there, and like, hey, get your you know get the get your home insured get your car insured accident need help call tom allen is it he the looks forehead? like he would be i don't know i think it's just the general appearance i don't know what it is i think he looks but like he, he just could run a funeral like, home which is kind of odd that's another his... good one that's another good one he could i just i've always pictured him like i think it's the tinted glasses the look he just looks like to me he would belongs in a billboard for state farm insurance <laughs> Yeah, that's weird. So that would Insurance be the was the first thing that came into my head, too. Maybe, I'm sure that's a common, uh, whenever you people do those lookalikes, they put the coaches side by side and they'll say, who, who, what, what job do you see them as if they weren't a head coach? I feel like insurance agent is a pretty common one. Another one that I feel like they show, or they use, I guess, is to poke fun, is um, youth pastor. I think that's an interesting one for some of these coaches. <laughs> I remember seeing that they they put a Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma was uh, that yeah, was his... that's a, yeah that's a good one. They, there are lots of those. There are several of those that are really good. I actually did it one year, um, and one of my favorites was uh, Chris Ash. He to me looked like he was like the manager of the produce section in a grocery store. <laughs> I, again, I don't know what it. I think it's. I think it was like the gelled hair and you know just the way he was looking. There's a lot of really good ones, but that was one of my favorites. Mel Tucker, I feel like would fit into like WWE promotions or like the the announcer. I don't know what it would be called, but I could see Mel Tucker working as the MC for either Monday Night Raw or, or SmackDown, whatever whatever the heck wrestling shows are named these days. He does kind of have that look. Like, he can give you that kind of, like, maniacal type of look. Maybe maniacal is not the right, but just very, like, you know he means business. Yeah. And that's the look that you see in professional wrestling all the time. So I can I can see that. Yeah, let's, let's, moving on from what coaches in the Big Ten would, would look like. I don't know. We, we already talked about the struggle, just the overall struggle of Indiana football. We, haven't, we didn't really recap Indiana-Michigan. But here's the thing. I don't want to just sit here and have a part of the show be dedicated to recapping Indiana Michigan because what has what could we say that hasn't already been said? Obviously, Donovan McCulley was kind of brought back down to earth against the Wolverines this past weekend. He had a much easier outing in his first official start against Maryland where he was able to put 35 points on the board or help put 35 points on the board. And you go against a much more talented Michigan team, and all of a sudden the line's exposed again. You can't, obviously we talked about at the beginning, you can't find anybody in the end zone. I mean, 
he's a fresh, he's a true freshman quarterback being thrown to the wolves, and you're pretty much getting exactly what you would expect from any decent quarterback at a, at a power five school put in this situation. I feel like that's not C.J. Stroud, obviously. Right. Well, I think the one, the only thing that I think that you take away from stuff that we haven't talked about every bleeping week for nine weeks now is this team didn't quit. Um, I mean, they fought, they were in that game for, I mean, we both knew that they weren't going to win that game when they got down two touchdowns. This team hasn't scored two touchdowns in a big 10 game. The only job they looked good on was their first, their first score. And maybe the ones that led up to that. And so I, I think there, a lot of people knew that game was over, but at the same time, they didn't get steamrolled. That game could have easily been, if they roll over, that game could have been 52 to six or 52 mm-hmm. to seven. And so I think that there is some credit there to show that they, they are still fighting. They do still care. Now it's going to be a little bit different because last week they still had something on the line. Yeah. We knew that they weren't going bowl, bowling, but at the same time, there's a mindset that you go in, we win these last four games. We're going to the postseason. Mm-hmm. Now that's, now that's out of the picture. And we talked about now they kind of have to play that spoiler role because Rutgers sitting at four and five, they have potential to get to a bowl game. So can Indiana try to spoil that? Minnesota right now is in the thick of the Big Ten West race. Could they spoil that? Purdue, um, they're bowl eligible, but technically right now they're in the Big Ten uh, West race. And that's also uh, a rivalry game, obviously. So you want to win that. So there's a chance to play spoiler. I think you saw at least a little bit of pride. So, We've talked about how bad the offense is. We've talked about the defense playing well. I did think the defense played well again, by the way. Uh, A good bounce back after the past two weeks. Exactly. And so to me, I think that the one biggest takeaway I had is even though it got a little ugly, even though they were outmatched, they still continued to fight. They still have kind of Tom Allen's personality. They still continued to fight. They didn't just roll over and get beat by 40 points by a far superior team. You talk about playing spoiler to Rutgers, or maybe refer to them as, as Rutger, as Brandon Beam has in the past, and, and several people on social media over the past several years. Imagine contributing to to helping Rutger earning their S, because as I remember Brandon saying when he was on here, and I'm sure he said it numerous times on his on his show. The the way for the Scarlet Knights to earn the S in Rutgers is to become bowl eligible. And obviously, that's that's what's on the line right now. Rutgers has been hilariously known as Rutger by many of the old-time Big Ten teams ever since they joined the conference because they haven't been good. I don't know that they've been to a bowl game since they've been in the Big Ten. I can't say that for sure, but I don't know that they have or not. They went to one in 2014, their first their year first in. season. Okay. With uh, Gary Nova as quarterback, he was so, lighting them up. Gary, I do remember Gary Nova. That was a, that's a, that's a name I definitely remember. Um, he was he was fun to watch. I he, I mean they threw the ball all over the well all over the field as a stretch. They threw the ball all over the field early in the season uh, when they didn't play hardly anybody. But I, let's think about this. Not to harp on this, but we're talking about right now Indiana playing spoiler to Rutgers bowl hopes. That's that's where <laughs> we're at right now. Like, if you would have woken yeah. up, if somebody would have told me back in July that this is what we'd be playing for, I wouldn't have. We we wouldn't be sitting here right now. Let's just go ahead and say that. <laughs> yeah. We would have um, waited the extra. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but after that, you got Minnesota at home. If you get this Rutgers win, I think that's a good momentum builder. You know, you're not the worst team in the Big Ten. Uh, or you can say that. Interestingly enough, this kind of leads into the uh, the CFP conversation you got going on oh, in God. terms of, uh, and, we'll, and we'll maybe we'll wait a second, but the perception of who's actually better versus head to head results, and I think you know what I'm getting at with that. But uh, we'll save that here for when we dive into the the CFP rankings. The, oh my gosh, it is, gosh, it is a disaster. It, it, Maybe we're just going to about to jump in because okay, well, let's just jump in. Then. Why? Why can't you? Whenever, whenever, whenever you're doing things like this and, and you tease yourself, it's almost like you're just begging to jump into the, that kind of a conversation. But 
Mm-hmm. Obviously, last night the second edition of the 2021 college football playoff, or is it the is it technically the 2022 college football playoff rankings since they win in January? I don't know how the yeah, it's labeled as the 2022 national championship game. I, I mean, I don't know how it, it it doesn't make sense, but whatever. Anyway, neither did the, the ranking. Kind of makes sense. Oh shoot, I'm on the AP top 25. Let's. I'm trying to pull these up because I want to make sure I say well, far all superior right. top twenty five as it would appear, and that's and and I've said this since the week before these rankings came out. The committee doesn't care. It's it's almost like they shut themselves out from reality for, from everything else that's going on, and they only talk amongst each other about what it's. It doesn't make any sense. Why is the national champion? Decided by, what is it, seven? Is it seven people? Or how many people are on this committee? I think it's 13. 13. Either way, you have thousands of writers who participate in the AP poll every single week. Thousands of, maybe not thousands, hundreds of coaches and writers who do these polls every single week that you're following along with. And that's your perception of, of where these teams are ranked or should be ranked. And then all of a sudden you come here with five weeks left into the season and 13 dudes who you don't hear from all year long all of a sudden have authority over everything and it doesn't make any sense. Well, it doesn't make any sense and I'm not sure that they watch any football. I, I don't understand how we got to this situation. where, like, After watching what happened, I would have rather Gary Barta walk into my house with a rolled up newspaper and smack me across the face <laughs> with it because that would have been less insulting than what we saw last night. What like, do you think Jeffrey the Greek that, of I Iowa... I, mean, I, I hope Iowa fans are embarrassed that that's their athletic director. I, I don't know about that, but here's what I have to say. Like, when people watch this, I hope that they realize that basically everybody in that room thinks that we're all stupid. That's essentially what this boils down to. You cannot, in any metric, I don't care what it says, rank a team that just lost to an opponent... <laughs> You cannot rank that opponent higher when the, the qualifications, the, the resume is essentially the same. They're both 8-1. and one. And then you say that that Michigan is the more complete team, more complete team. as if you don't have a head-to-head run. And, and we've talked about this earlier, too, with the Oregon-Ohio State head-to-head. Thankfully that they're at least honoring that. I don't know if that will hold up if Ohio State ends up going undefeated and Oregon does the same. you got so many things to look at, but... Here's here's the other thing. Let me let me say this about or okay. I don't understand why that matters in the Michigan Michigan State head to head doesn't that doesn't make any sense to me. And and afterwards in that press conference he does with a lot of reporters. I'm not on it because I'm usually cranking out a lot of content at that time. But people were asking him, does it matter for Ohio State Oregon and not for Michigan Michigan State? And his his response was essentially yes. So like what. I mean, do you have a bleep button? I'll bleep myself. What the bleep are you doing? <laughs> what are we talking about at this point? This isn't like Michigan State is even just 7-2 and two and you rank Michigan. You say, okay, they have that extra loss the way they won that game. These two have the exact same resume. They don't. I don't think either team has a superior win. Michigan State has the better win, and it came against Michigan. So that's two uh, criteria in their favor. They sit there and preparing their own narrative. It's almost like they sit there, try to figure out how the rest of the season is going to play out to set up for what they want the the actual Final Four to be. This is this, but this is what I'm saying. In when they say like they have the criteria is so key, all of it is so convoluted that they. There are certain people that tweet out what they're actually looking at, and if you look at that, those certain data points, then Michigan, yes, is ahead of Michigan State. But if we have to dive that deep, then the system is broken, and there's no recovering from it. You have to get, you have to expand to twelve teams at this point. Here's another thing I want to point out about Oregon and Cincinnati right now. So, I, Oregon, what Oregon three, Ohio State four, Cincinnati five. Here's the thing that's interesting to me. I think if you put Oregon in that number three spot, you have to put Cincinnati in the number four spot. And here's why. Oregon has one top ten road win against Ohio State. Mm -hmm. They have one loss to a really shitty Stanford team. You Mm -hmm. can use the bleep button. I'm not going to bleep myself on that. (laughs) 
Cincinnati has a top 10 road win against Notre Dame. They have zero losses. Now, here's the kicker. There are three, currently, three Pac-12 teams that are bowl eligible. Three. We're in mid-freaking November. The AAC has four. Do you know how many how you do do you know how many bowl eligible teams outside of Ohio State Oregon has beaten? Do I know? I'm sorry. Bowl eligible Pac-12 teams that Oregon has beaten. I'm going to say zero. Correct. Do you know how many bowl eligible AAC opponents Cincinnati has played and beaten? You know, I'm going to say 3. 1. They're still. It doesn't matter though. It's still better well, than they, zero. They have, they have beaten an additional bowl eligible team, and they have a what I would consider to be a similar win. Now, I would rank the win over Ohio State more uh, a better win for Oregon, but they're comparable. So again, there are certain criteria. It doesn't make any sense to me when you look at it. And we can go off strength of schedule. We can go off of who's power five, who's not power five. The problem is is that none of it makes sense. The, the the requirements you have for the top six don't trickle all the way down to the top 25. Why the hell is Auburn ranked at where they're ranked? What, 16? I don't Penn even remember. State. Top of my head. I feel ahead like the argument, State, I bet the argument ahead, against ahead that Wisconsin, is, oh, Penn ahead State, of Purdue. I bet the argument with that is Penn State's not the same team without Sean Clifford. I think the argument is, we're a bunch of idiots. I think the argument is, is because because they Were lost you surprised to Illinois. That Purdue was in the rankings. I was surprised that Purdue was that high because I do think nineteen is very respectable for them right now. Yeah, I mean, I think they've earned it. You look at they've beaten Iowa, a top twenty-five team, and they've beaten Michigan State, a top seven team, um, and then. Their losses, they really don't have a bad loss. I guess now you could label the Minnesota loss as kind of bad, but Minnesota's still 6-3, and three and they had Trey Potts at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other two losses were to an, uh, a Wisconsin team and then to a, um, a Notre Dame team. Uh, so I think Purdue being ranked was fair. I would have – I mean, you could have put them in the 20s, and I think they would have been – I, I would have been fine with that. I have no problem with that. But Another thing that's interesting, again, too, you've got a 9-0 and Oklahoma team at number eight. It's almost as if saying – it's like they're just saying, well, the Big 12 just sucks. And I know the Big 12 isn't the greatest Power 5 conference. It does team, suck. And they're, and they're probably – and they're not going to be getting any better once they lose Texas and Oklahoma. But I mean, is there even a path for them unless more te- – this is, this is the thing right now. The way it's set up with Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, and Ohio State – with the way that those line up, they're setting it up for a two-team SEC playoff because Alabama will play Georgia in the SEC championship game, and one of those teams has to lose. And or right. they're expecting Oregon and Ohio State to win out because the way I mean, nobody's going to jump them because Ohio State very likely to win out. Oregon, honestly, they're a wild card. I wouldn't be surprised if Oregon loses. But at the same time. I don't know. Do you just have Oklahoma all of a sudden miraculously jump over Cincinnati, Michigan, and Michigan State if they go 12-0? They could. Yeah, because that's they could exactly because... what they end up doing. It doesn't make any sense. Because I guarantee you, if you head-to-head Cincinnati and Oklahoma, if they finish the seasons undefeated and win their conference championships, and obviously depending on a number of other factors, they're going to throw Oklahoma in there. The difference for Oklahoma is you look at the rest of their schedule. They have number 13 Baylor, who's 7-2. and two. They play them on the road. They come home to play Iowa State, who's 6-3. and three, And then they go on the road and they play number 10 Oklahoma State, who's 8-1. and one. See, and that and goes back to the narrative they said. They're like, Oklahoma is number 8 right now, but we're going to assume this is going to play out. So we're just going to say it makes sense that they can make those jumps later. If you... Th- it's not based on any sort of who's the best team. They're trying to make this fun little narrative so people like us get on here and talk about this crap. Because it just, which we do. Which yeah. Well, what else are you gonna do? I mean, it's not because if we sat here and did nothing, then then the whole idea of what you're saying that we're idiots would just help prove them right. I guess I I don't. I think there's too much. It's horrible. It's it's. I kind of people argue about this with the NCAA March Madness, and I know it's a whole lot different with with sixty eight teams. But you put thirteen guys in a room to talk about this stuff, and that's all their job is. You overthink so many different things, and I'm sure you contradict yourself 
13 million 13 million different times and all of yep. a sudden you you end up just vomiting out something that looks like somebody put their input on it's like the whole uh what, what is the where, what am i getting at here with the whole like like group homework everyone's got to have their little input and it just turns out to be oh, a mess yeah. and it's not one congruent thing that makes sense yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's what you get when you hear Gary Barta ex- try to explain what he's trying to explain. I, I don't think he has any idea what he's talking about. I mean, and and part and let me clarify that too. Like, he has to have he has to be better in these pressers, but at the same time, he's trying to speak for thirteen different people, and none of it makes sense. Why can't they just so, put them all out there and put them in a panel and just ask him? I don't. I. I would, this is something that I would love, like, at some point during this week, it would be phenomenal. This is not going to happen, but this is what they need to do. They need to come out and say, we made an egregious error. We apologize. Michigan State should be ranked ahead of Michigan. And if if both teams win or both teams, you know, we'll rectify it. Both teams win, both teams lose, whatever the case might be. That's not going to happen. It may, it, this is so aggravating to me. And again, we're talking about things that are, it's not going to make a difference because this thing is going to play itself out. But again, this is where I get to. They continue to say that there, it seems to me that there's different criteria for different teams and how they rank stuff. And I know that there's a certain formula that puts teams in, in position and that's what they follow. And you can like that or hate it. And I personally hate it. But I just don't. I think that that gets if you're depending on those data points like you talk about March Madness. Yeah, I understand that sometimes teams get left out. Sometimes teams feel like they got screwed. But at the same time, you know what you have to do to get to the tournament. That is, win your conference championship. If you don't win, then you leave yourself subject. Yeah. There is zero criteria. Cincinnati could win every single freaking game. They scheduled two Power 5 opponents in an effort to get to the college football playoff. They could go 13-0 and and they still get left out. Yeah. So yeah. what do you want them to do? I, I just feel like we're trying to write a check that your mouth can't find. What is that stupid saying? I feel like I just completely butchered. That write right a, you did mess it up. <laughs> write a check I, I, that your mouth can't cash. Or, I say that your ass can't cash. Did <laughs> you know I'm tough? I'm hard. Yeah, right from down south where you all get pissed when it becomes 34 degrees. Isn't well, that what I saw? I mean, here? come on now. <laughs> I mean, I am. Here's the thing: I moved from Indiana to Florida. That was a mistake. I should have gone from Indiana to Georgia and then to Florida, rather than from Indiana to Florida and then back to Georgia. Okay, yeah, that 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 might have made your transition. You, well, I lived there for two years, and once that happens, once that warm air like just fills your blood, you can't get it out. <laughs> I piss and moan every morning from now until probably like early March. Another thing. Before I guess it's probably time to put this college football playoff stuff to bed because you can bitch about this for for days and days, and then next week we'll come and we'll be, have something new to complain about, and it's it's a never ending cycle that just it literally means nothing, like you say, because what it what it really comes down to is whoever wins the SEC, whoever wins the Big Ten, and then the Power Five, the rest of the Power Five kind of sorts itself out depending on what teams like Oregon do, what teams like Oklahoma do. And then sometimes you got the conversation like we're always talking about with Georgia and Alabama. They got to put two SEC teams in. Maybe we'll see two Big Ten teams in. But wrapping it back back to around to what I was going to get at with Alabama being ranked number two, their one loss being Texas A and M to a backup quarterbacked Texas A and M. They only mm. beat a pretty poor LSU team by six, and they don't even move in the rankings. That also shows that there's just it's just fraudulent. That's literally all it is. It's just fraudulent. Like, I don't know what I'm holding back here at this point. It's it's just stupid. It's all stupid. I know we've we've talked about this already for what seems like 10 minutes now, but none of it makes any sense. What, what more is there to say? I have, the one thing I would say is, like, this week I had a far less problem with Mich- with Alabama being ranked number two as opposed to last week when Michigan State was still undefeated. And had that really good win against uh, against Michigan, but 
to me, what this looks like to me is it looks like the SEC is in a situation where it's going to get two teams in really, in my opinion, no matter what happens, because you can use that loss, Oregon's loss against them to Stanford. You can use Ohio State's loss to Oregon against them. You can use the fact that Cincinnati isn't a power five team. So there's a way to work Why does a Ohio, lot of different okay, conferences. So you got eight and one Ohio State, eight and one Alabama. Ohio State's losses to the team ranked above them, and Alabama's losses to a team that's ranked where let's see, where's eleventh. Which the only reason that they can rectify Texas A and M as a good loss is to make them as as high as they can. When one of their losses is to Correct. a horrible Colorado team. And you can make the argument that the way they have ranked some of these teams, you could make the argument that that Texas A&M belongs ahead of Alabama because you look at look at Wisconsin and Iowa. Iowa has two losses, they're 7 and 2. Wisconsin is 6 and 3. They won the head to head and they're ranked ahead of um and Wisconsin's ranked ahead of Iowa by two spots. You can make the you can make the argument that based on their logic and their how they've ranked some other teams that you could put Texas A and M ahead of Alabama. Now I think that I was going to say I think that that we know that Alabama would probably win that matchup, and we're talking about uh, a two loss versus a three loss and a one loss versus a two loss. I I mean. This, again, this is what's so frustrating because what the criteria is, it doesn't seem to me to be that consistent. And people can they can say that it is, but I just I don't buy that it is. And if it is consistent, it is the most bleeped up sort sort of data point type of analysis or whatever we're getting into. Like I want to see how they construct specific formula because in case you haven't seen ESPN's FPI, it sucks too. So just because you have a system doesn't mean it's a good one. Have you ever been on <laughs> mytteamisbetterthanyourteam.com? Maybe they no, should just use this as the formula for, for which teams should be ranked it in the college be. football playoff. This is a, okay, this yeah. is how you figure out that Indiana is actually better than Alabama. Let me go ahead and tell you this right now. Abilene Christian beat Lamar. Lamar beat Northern Colorado. Northern Colorado beat Northern Arizona. Northern Arizona beat Idaho State. Idaho State beat UC Davis. UC Davis. Hold on. Did I even click enter? Where's Indiana on? What are you doing? It's. <laughs> how long is this? Are we going to be on here for 45 minutes? Talking no, there, there's about only, no, there's only like. This, is, this, this doesn't even make any, any, any sense. You started down a wrong path. You chose yeah. the path less traveled and then you ran into a dead end. Yeah, it, it this see this algorithm doesn't even make any sense right now. Just much like the college football playoff. I was trying to prove that Indiana is better than Alabama based on this. My team is better than yours. It basically it takes all of the te- it takes a team that Indiana has beaten and then a team that that yeah. team has beaten and goes all the way until that team has somehow beaten it, Alabama. It's the transitive property situation. Trans. That's what it is. It's right in front of me. I just thought that was an advertisement in front of me. So I, I didn't know it. I thought transitive property was like some sort of home loan. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. See, We're on a I new feel level like right I, now. I'm really that up to you. I thought transitive property was some sort of home loan. Or, or like a transitive home property, like real, property that you purchase. Oh my god! I have I own my own house, and I don't even know didn't even know what that meant. I live in an apartment. Well, of course, I talk about transitive property wins all the time, but I just didn't know the term. <laughs> all right, I guess well, on that epic. note, it's time to move along. Oh boy, we're not going to preview Indiana Rutger because that previews itself. It's the worst team versus the other worst team in the. In the Big Ten right now. Um, I'm not going to get over this transitive property thinking that we had a realty group. Not a realty group, but a type of property. Property sale. Yeah, some transitive. So if a transitive property was a type of thing that you purchased, I feel like it would be, based on context clues, a property that you 
that gets transferred from what it doesn't make sense but it's just it's just the way that the english language <laughs> i don't even know i feel like you're trying to justify it. something that's not justifiable indefensible you're right just like the college football playoff committees i think that would be a really i feel like that would be just a really clever name for a property management group like welcome to transitive property we sold we your own, house, so they bought theirs, and then they bought the next. We one. own eight. We own eight apartment complexes across the Midwest. So I guess every transaction is a transitive property. Yeah. See, you could do something like that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> I. Anyway, like I said, we we were going to skip previewing Indiana Rutgers. We're going to skip the Indiana Rutgers preview here. Because the game doesn't exist. This game barely... Like I said, the, the winner of this game, or maybe I should say the loser of this game, gets to put gets to put a bag over the head of each player on the, on the team's roster. That's what happens when you lose this game. Because you officially... I mean officially, you're the worst team in the Big Ten. This, this is the end-all, be-all. This is not big, necessarily. This is the Big Ten losing championship right here. Indiana versus Maryland Rutgers. could still beat Maryland could still beat uh, or excuse me, Rutgers could still beat Maryland at the end. It of could the be year. just a, a tri- it could be the triangle of despair where you just have the three worst teams have beaten each other, just like your triangle yeah, that of could, confusion. Yes, yeah, we could have that the triangle of despair. There we go. <laughs> and of course, it's all three teams from the Big Ten East that get beat up on, typically year and after, despite last year being, I guess, an outlier. But let's just go ahead and jump into Pickums. And I guess as we get to Rutgers, Indiana, we can talk a little about that officially instead of just skipping over the Indiana Rutgers preview altogether. First up, we've got number six, Michigan at Penn State. A sneaky good game. A lot of people that I guess with, with the teams, well, not, not necessarily Michigan, but with the current state of Penn State, it could be something that maybe some Michigan fans would overlook as something that may seem a little easier than it actually is. But you are going to be on the road in Happy Valley. Penn State's trying to get back on track. It could be a tough one for the Wolverines. I don't like this game for Michigan for a couple reasons. I still think Penn State's playing, uh, not to use a pun here, but I think they're playing for pride. Um, And I think that I still don't see that killer instinct from Michigan. Like We talked about Indiana doesn't quit, but at the same time, Michigan – has struggled to put teams away, and that's what cost them against Michigan State. I think that Penn State is more talented than Michigan, and you're talking about a home crowd. The season's winding down. This is still a Penn State team that could theoretically get to 10 wins if they went out and then get to a bowl game and get a victory in the postseason. So there's still something to play for, even though it's not a Big Ten title for Penn State. This is a a pseudo-rivalry game, I guess you could call it. I mean, these two teams don't particularly like each other. So... I think that because of the talent, I, I think what's going to happen in this game is Michigan's going to get an early lead like they did against Michigan State, and then Penn State's going to make some ex- have some explosive plays in the second half because Michigan just can't put it away. Penn mm-hmm. State's going to knock Michigan out of the Big Ten East race and, and get uh, another win over uh, Jim Harbaugh. And maybe Michigan State at that point can take their rightful place over the Wolverines in the college yeah. football playoff rankings. Unless for some reason that Michigan's still the complete team with two losses, and they find a reason to keep them ahead of Michigan State, who knows? But yeah, there you go. I'm going with Michigan on this. That's our first difference. I also, I need to point out where we're at in the standings. Dustin is currently running away with this. As last week, the two differences that we had, he chose Purdue, and then he also chose Penn State. Obviously, Purdue defeated and- Michigan State. What? And we should point out that you should have taken the bet of the. Uh- the uh, shutout because Rutgers scored three points. Oh yeah, I forgot you <laughs> said Wisconsin was going to shut out Rutgers. I that's was right because I said what I, I, I say it was going to be double points if that were the case. Yeah, you would get double points, but you turned it down. So I, I don't know. I, I like to keep the the records integrity. It's almost like a you're out of this, but we got to keep you in it. Still, we got to make things a little bit more, <laughs> a little easier for you. Right. Uh, which by so that makes me nine games back. We have what three weeks left in the college football season. I don't know that we'll count. Yeah, that'll probably be it. We won't do conference championship week because we only count. I guess we'll have to count the Big Ten championship game. And then I yeah, guess we'll count maybe that. What's any, the, do what? 
Do you have a count of the record? What's the actual yeah, record? Yeah, so the actual record, you are 68 and 17, and I'm 59 and 26. S- 68 and 17, that ain't bad. We should, we, you should, I wonder how you, how we, how we fix up against some of the other SEC fools that do these things. Or maybe, I know, well, I know Jeffrey, the Greek, and Big Kurt, they do against, they, they go against by the like that stuff, which I don't know how to keep track mm-hmm. of any of that garbage, so. That's why we just decide who wins the game and not who covers I've, and who uh, doesn't. I've, uh, let's see, I think I do another show, um, the Keystone Sports Network. Uh, I do their uh, appearance on a, on their fourth quarter segment, and I think I'm 17 and 12 against the spread, which 59% for the season when you're betting against the spread is. Yeah, it's, it's a uh, lot more difficult of a thing to do than just pick who wins. It's exactly. like they say, exactly. uh, great, good teams win, great teams cover. Great teams cover, yep. Exactly, exactly. The good pickers pick the correct team, but great pickers, I don't know. <laughs> know who's going to cover. <laughs> know who's going to cover, I don't know. You would have thought I'd had some alcohol in me right now, but I haven't drank a thing. We're, we're, we're on another, I'm I on another change that the same thing after your transitive property comment. The trans, do what? I said you might want to change that this evening after your transitive property comment. Imagine if we were live and we had a uh, some uh, like live comments after that transitive property uh, segment. I guess you would have got some had. good feedback. Yeah, you'd have got some oh, good yeah. feedback on that. People would have stopped listening. To like, man, we can't be listening to this guy. He doesn't even know anything about the transitive property. It also sounds like something that you do in math class in high school. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is. Maybe that's. <laughs> oh my gosh, we need to <laughs> we need to put this to bed for for good and, and get on these pickums. Anyway, Dustin, you took Penn State. I'm taking Michigan with this one. It's one I hesitated with. I hesitate with a lot nowadays, but uh, I am going with Michigan, and I'm glad I did because that means I have an opportunity to come back on you, even though I'm nine games back with three weeks remaining. We're probably going to have a couple differences, actually. We'll see. I got to get. Th- I've got to average three wins against you per week to even tie it. So we'll see what happens. Next up, Northwestern at number eighteen, Wisconsin. Uh, Dustin, what are your thoughts? I don't have any thoughts. <laughs> so, well, uh, Wisconsin's running the ball extremely well with Braylon Allen. He's hit five straight hundred-yard games. Not even Jonathan Taylor did that in his first season as the primary ball carrier for the Badgers. Um, there's some question about Ches Malusi. Northwestern, this is going to look very similar, in my opinion, to what Wisconsin did to North, uh, Excuse me, to, to Rutgers. Northwestern can't move the football. They can't stop the run. This is going to be a blowout. I, Wisconsin's going to cruise. Are you taking the shutout this time? No, I'm not going to take the shutout because I think Northwestern – I don't trust Graham Mertz enough. He might throw a pick. There might be a fumble where Northwestern gets the ball in good field position, which is essentially what happened last week, I believe. Uh, so I'm gonna—I'm not gonna say shutout, but I don't think that Northwestern's gonna score more than ten points. There you go. I'm taking the Badgers as well. Definitely one of the easier games to pick this week. I would say. You never know, though. Northwestern's an, an, always an interesting team, and that would be... It also wouldn't surprise me in the slightest, just because of the way college football works, if they were to somehow pull off this ridiculous upset. But also very unlikely. Next up, Rutgers at Indiana. You got Noah Vedral on the Rutgers side. Used to play for Nebraska, who Indiana played against whenever uh, they went to Lincoln and won a few years ago. So it's kind of a rematch of sorts. I don't know how long... How long has Vedral been with the Scarlet Knights now? He transferred uh, before the or during before the 2020 season. I don't know if it was. I don't remember when it was in that process. But he's been there now. This is his second year. Okay, so they've they played against him before anyway. Unless he was hurt last year. I don't remember because they no because they had Olszewski. No, they Rutgers has always had a weird QB situation. But anyway, Indiana's going to get another look at Noah Vedral after they played him in the past. Uh, at the same time, though, it's, I think it's another good opportunity for Donovan McCulley to kind of get get his footing like he did against Maryland. Uh, I don't know how well he'll perform. A lot of it will depend on his offensive line. Maybe the running backs will have another good game. I really like Davion Irvin Poindexter, too, I'd like to point out. I think that kid deserves a scholarship now. I don't know that he'll get it right now, but maybe over the offseason. But the amount of work that that kid has had to put in 
especially with the amount of transfers that the running backs room specifically has dealt with this year. He has stepped up. I know he's not an amazing back, but he's definitely putting up a lot better numbers than you would normally expect from any walk-on at the running back position. Davion Irvin Poindexter, a great number two to Stephen Carr right now. Hopefully that kid gets a scholarship. Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and take Indiana over this one. I think this is a good opportunity for them to play spoiler, as we talked about earlier, and, and kind of salvage the season in a way, give yourself something to play for, and, and, and a little bit of momentum going into these last couple of games. Yeah, I just think that Rutgers has... Go ahead and pick Rutgers. Go ahead and pick Indiana and go 2-10. I think that 10. they... I, I, I do. I, I, will, I do think that. I think Rutgers... I think Rutgers has a chance to go bowling this season. I mean, I thought that coming into the season, to be quite honest with you. But I think, uh, to me, rushing attack with uh, Isaiah Pacheco, Avery Young, um, Kyle Manungai, I like that what they're doing. Their defense is always pretty tough against against an Indiana type team, and, and I mean, I guess I, I guess I mean that offensively. You mean by a team that they, sucks at offense is what you're saying. <laughs> Which there are several team, of them in the Big Ten. A team not like Ohio State, Penn State. Like I think, I think Rutgers could match up against a lot of different teams in the Big Ten. Just not those teams that are superior ta- in in terms of like the four and five star guys. Um, so I, I think that what I think Rutgers is going to win this game. We saw them beat Illinois. Um, they've played well. They had it. They should have beaten Northwestern if they didn't play that game at that point in the season. So. I'm taking the Scarlet Knights. If I have to come on next week and Indiana has lost to Rutgers, we're going to be, you know, I don't even know. It doesn't see, I know it's not impossible, and I know Indiana has lost to Rutgers before. The t- the game where they let them come back in Memorial Stadium comes yeah. to mind. That was, I think it was like 55-52. to 52. And I think that may have been another one of those seasons where Indiana was on the verge of bowl eligibility. This not being one of them, obviously. But Rutgers is a weird team. Indiana fans make fun of them, as most of the other Big Ten, but they've had their fair share of laughs against the Hoosiers, and this may be one of them. Dustin taking the Scarlet Knights. Next up, Minnesota at number 20, Iowa. Is this a part of your – this is the last part of your triangle of confusion, if I'm not mistaken, which – It is. Is it P.J. Fleck over Kirk Ferentz? P.J. Fleck has never beaten Kirk Oh, it's the other way around. Okay. Yep. So I am going to go with history because it's played out perfectly this season so far. So I think the triangle of confusion, I think I'm going to stick with the triangle of confusion. I think that Iowa beats Minnesota, but I think it's more than just the history. I think we learned that Tanner Morgan can't win you a football game when you need him to. Uh, Hmm. And that was pretty evident last week against Illinois through a couple picks He's, his completion percentage is hovering around 50%. Their running backs are good. They still have a good running attack, but they are – I mean, you're starting to see why they're the fourth and fifth string running backs. I mean, um, so I think that Iowa wins this game. I don't know that it'll even be particularly – well, I'm going to walk that back. Iowa's offense has been really bad. Um, I think it will be – not a blowout, but I don't. Th- I think Iowa's going to win comfortably. Do you think this will be a game where Iowa's able to get back on the turnover train? Yeah, I do go. think that because I because at times Minnesota's going to have to go to the air, and they have not done that well this season at all. There you go. I've also got the Hawkeyes in this one. Moving on, we got a few more, two more left. Maryland at number seven, Michigan State. I saw you tweet earlier that you think this is, could be a lot more interesting than people think. And I, and I guess I can see that Michigan State coming off of the loss that... So, I mean, it's a, it's a very interesting sequence for the Spartans. You have that major high for defeating your rival. You're all of a sudden nationally relevant. You have a chance to go to the college football playoff. You have a letdown against Purdue on the road. You have to have a, a very weird Maryland team that has a strong offense but a fairly weak defense. But... With Maryland's passing attack, Michigan State's had has a vulnerable secondary, and so it'll be interesting to see if Talia Tagovailoa can get into the rhythm that he did against Indiana a couple of weeks ago, yep. and maybe help pull off the upset there. I am flipping back and forth honestly in this game because these two defenses are not good. Um, Michigan State makes a few more plays, 
And then you look at the offense. Like, I think this could be like a 55 to 52 type of game. I think it could be an absolute shootout because neither defense is playing particularly well, well right now. Maryland doesn't care to run the football. What did we see last weekend? Purdue didn't care to run the football. They just did it every once in a while. They used an extension of the run game. Mike Loxley can be pretty creative. I just don't know if Maryland has – like the difference – Purdue had enough athletes to beat Michigan State. I don't know if Maryland is quite there yet. I'm going to pick Michigan State, but, man, I really – I really thought I might go with Maryland on that one. I'm, I won't be surprised if we see Michigan State lose a second straight game. Do you think this helps if they were to lose? Do you think that this could help some of the Mel SU rumors to slow down a little bit after you see if, if the Spartans were to kind of come down to earth a little bit? Because I'm sure as LSU or as an LSU fan, you you want the best guy. And if, if Mel Tucker's just some other guy who can help you get to a few bowl games, go 8-4, and 9-3, and three, I don't think that's something that they would truly look at. Well, I agree with you on that premise, but I think at the same time, when you look at what he's done in those first two years, even though they went 2-5 and five in 2020, who are the two teams he beat? They beat their biggest rival, Michigan. They beat mm-hmm. a top-10 Northwestern team. This year... Even if Michigan State loses out, this is still his second year. They would have finished eight and four. They're going to a bowl game. And this was a team that myself and a lot of other people in the media predicted to finish dead last. And right now they're in the thick of the, the Big Ten East race. I think it would cool down. But I think when you look at his intensity, when you look at how quickly things have transformed, this wasn't like they went two and five. Five and seven, eight and four. Let's see what happens next year. They went from two and five to at minimum an eight win season. They've already got those in the bag. So I think those rumors are going to continue to be there. They won't, if he finishes 11 and one or 10 and two, they're going to be really hot. If he's eight and four or nine and three, they might cool down a touch. But I think, again, when you look at what he's done in just two short seasons, I, I still think he's going to be one of the top targets for that job. There you go. Yeah, Mel Tucker definitely on pace to be Big Ten, potentially Big Ten coach of the year. There's P.J. Fleck, I think you've said, is up there. But also, that's probably cooled down a little bit since the loss to Illinois. That's probably done. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> Our game of the week for the second week in a row, it involves the Purdue Boilermakers, number 19 Purdue at number four Ohio State. Man, if this – if this were at uh, Ross Aid Stadium, I feel like this would just be a, a silver platter for another upset by by Purdue right now. I know they went on the road to beat to beat Iowa, correct? They did. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they can't go into Columbus and make this a game. Uh, it, right now, it's just really hard to bet against Ohio State because they've kind of found their rhythm. I know Nebraska kind of made them look a little vulnerable this past week, and a lot of people were excited about that, but... At the same time, Ohio State usually bounces back from these things or getting into the, the final part of the season. I do think Purdue will make this a good game for maybe two and a half, three quarters, but I do think Ohio State's going to pull it off. Well, and, and Nebraska's defense played really well, but at the same time, Ohio State didn't have Garrett Wilson, their top receiver. So, Oh, man, and we didn't even talk is, about – man, I, we didn't talk about Scott Frost this week. I know we're well, already we at 53-40, and we don't have to talk about Scott Frost, but, man, why didn't we talk about that earlier? I don't know. We can offer some thoughts here after this. Yeah, because um, this is our last one the, anyway before we close out. The uh, To me, they didn't have Garrett Wilson, which is a big difference. What, what was interesting to me in this press conference is Jeff Brom said they might look to take some risks and basically said some things might pay off for us or there's things that could get us beat pretty quickly. To me, that means either this is going to be a four-quarter game and Purdue's going to have a chance to win, or or it's going to be 21-0 in the blink of an eye, and, and you don't have any questions about why Ohio State should be ranked in the top four. I think, oh, I think Ohio State might roll in this one. Um, it's not that I it's not that I think Purdue is is a bad football team. I just think that. Purdue's coming off that they, – they laid an egg after coming off that Iowa win. They didn't play well against Wisconsin. They've got to go on the road, play an Ohio State team that 
has won two games by nine points. They'll be looking to try to prove a point. Garrett Wilson's going to be back on the field. I think the Buckeyes win. I think it's probably not like a 42-7 to game, but it might be like a 48-27 to type of game. It's also pretty weird to me that Jeff Brom would come out and say something like that because now Ohio State can kind of – sort of prepare for the worst in terms of what they could be that could be thrown at them they, they know that the entire playbook is going to open up this coming week and so I think they knew that I think oh. they knew that going into it and, and the other part is I think that there's a little gamesmanship from Jeff Brom there I okay. think he wants Ryan Day to be thinking a little a little more than maybe he would by saying that that's that that's a fair point and another thing that would be interesting to see based off what we know from that comment let's say Purdue scores first I can realistically see Purdue immediately just going for an onside kick to get the ball back and try to score again and go up 14 nothing. I think it's a very interesting dynamic if that were to work, but it's something that when you see what's what's been going on with the Purdue's offense and just the nature well, of the way Jeff Brom has treated this season in general. I mean, he started off by having three co-defensive coordinators. I mean, everybody thought that was ridiculous, but you know that you can expect the unexpected with this team at this point. Yeah, I agree. I, I And that's why I think this game is going to be fun. And I don't think that Purdue is going to get blown out like immediately. I don't think it's going to be quick. Um, but I think it's just one of those games where Ohio State's going to have a comfortable two touchdown lead. And then they put, you know, they get a light score to kind of put it away. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun game though. I, I really do. It's, I say it's going to be 48, 27 or something in that ballpark, but, I mean, both defenses are playing opportunistic too, so maybe it's maybe it's even a lower scoring game. All right, there we go. Our pickums. A couple more differences for me this week. I have Michigan. He has Penn State. I have Indiana. He has Rutgers. So, I mean, this this really is do or die week for me. If I don't at least make some sort of, if I don't get both right. of these games, I'm probably 100 percent done with two weeks after that. But and it'll still be tough because at that point I'll have to make up seven games in two weeks. So. And this is yep. this is really uh, do or die in terms, kind of like Indiana last week with Michigan, do or die for Boyle's ability. <laughs> but before we close things out, uh, I wanted to bring this up earlier when we were talking about Nick Sheridan and all that stuff. But Scott Frost this week uh, essentially laid all the cards out on the table, and Jim kind of brought this up, and I agree with him when he was talking about it on his show, Indiana Sports Beat. Um, but I feel like Trev Alberts was talking to Scott Frost, said, this needs to happen, and if it doesn't, you're gone. And I, maybe it wasn't specifically fire the entire offensive staff, sans one coach, I think. But it was probably a conversation that was like, you need to make some kind of change that's going to help improve you for the coming year, or we're going to change everything for you and go our own way. And that's that looks like that's what happened a couple of days ago. So I'm going to offer a couple of thoughts on this because I'm actually interested to see what happens. So first of all, if you would have told me that Nebraska was three and nine, they finished the season three and nine, which it, it could happen, even four and eight. Let's say even four and eight. I would have said, who's going to be Nebraska? Who's the who's the leader to replace Scott Frost because he's clearly going to be done. I don't feel that way anymore. I feel like they probably made the right decision because when you look at they would have to start a third rebuild in like the last, what, when was Mike Riley hired? 2015? Is that, I can't remember my dates. I mean, it's literally six so, years. Yeah. So you're talking, exactly. You're talking about a third rebuild basically in seven, eight year span. Um, so you don't want to do that. This team does look better. You look at the schedule. They played Oklahoma, one possession, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, or Michigan, Michigan State, one possession, Ohio State, you had them, you had chances. If you would have made some field goals, you would have had a chance late in the game. They still did. They only lost by nine. So you can see this team improving. It just needs to correct some of those mistakes. The problem to me with this one, well, with this reconstructed contract being in 2022, is to me it seems like a one-year deal. You get this thing right or we're going to have to move on. And my concern with that is there aren't a lot of high-profile assistant coaches and offensive coordinators, which is what he's looking for, who are going to agree to take a one-year gamble mm -hmm. on Nebraska and say, 
I've got to put all my faith in you to get me. I don't even know what the record has to be. I'm sure that there's a target. Eight and four, nine and three. It's certainly at least six and six. I was gonna say, do you think a six and six is enough for? I feel I, I, I personally do not, and I don't know what their I, schedule because, looks like for next season. Obviously, but <sighs> I think they've got to get. Well, I say this is a big deal, but in the Big Ten, it's tough. I think they have to get at least seven wins, and then if you get an eighth win in a bowl game, I think, and you'd, you'd have to beat somebody of significance. I don't think six and six is going to get it done. Now that's the thing, though. So, you could be six and six and have a win of significance on there, though. They could, and that could that could be in my head, though. The way I the so that would say yes, if they get six and six and have a win of significance, I think that would say he would get more time. But in my head, looking six and six, I'm thinking about just the way my head works. You get six wins, you beat your six easiest opponents, probably not going to cut it. That's just my opinion. But that's not how Nebraska works either. Nebraska likes to play down or up to their competition. I mean, that is a good point. That is a fair point. So I, I just am curious to see what happens with these coaching changes or these alterations because we... This very rarely, I mean, you might, with a program that's been struggling, I can think about when Purdue did this with Daryl Hazel. They gave him an extra year heading into 2016. He cut a bunch of his staff, brought in a bunch of new guys. It was a failure. Lovey Smith was kind of reassembling his staff um, towards the end of his tenure. Didn't work. You know who it did work for, and I mentioned this last week, is Kevin Wilson in Indiana. Oddly enough, that because... He, was, he kept having four and eight, five and seven seasons. I believe he he had already had a bowl game before Tom Allen showed up. But right after that, he got rid of Brian Knorr, brought in Tom Allen, and had the same kind of success. Obviously, it would it would have been really interesting to see if there wasn't all of that issue with Kevin Wilson and his his resi- resignation and all that stuff that was going on that caused him to leave if you're able to give him two or three more years with Tom Allen to see what that offense combined with that defense could have looked like. Because what would have happened, though, if you would have seen an, a really good success with that? Tom Allen would have obviously left and gotten a head coaching job of his own elsewhere. But it, it, it's interesting to think about what that could have looked like had that had a few more years. Right. Well, so, again, the, the, the difference in... I I I agree with you. I've always wanted. I've always I've said this for a couple of years now. I wanted to know what that Kevin Wilson offense and the Tom Allen defense would look like because I think it would be really good. I think it would be better than what we saw maybe even last. Maybe year. Kevin but, Wilson would have gotten a better job because I always said, and it may have happened because I know North Carolina hired Mac Brown uh, in a very timely fashion. Uh-huh. I always said if that job came open for Kevin Wilson and he was in good standing, which he prior to the it. allegations at Indiana. I always thought he would for sure leave Indiana for North Carolina if that ever happened. So the to me the difference is Kevin Wilson still had some job security. He got to a bowl game. That team was gradually kind of getting better, mm-hmm. and there isn't really much of a precedent there at Indiana. And I don't recall, because this has been long enough ago that I don't remember, I don't know that he made those kind of like we're talking about four staffers you have to replace. This isn't a one guy. Yeah, Kevin Wilson never wiped out his entire defense that I can think of. So, and that is what makes it this a little bit different, in my opinion. You're not just looking to get a new running back coach. You're not just looking to get a new offensive coordinator. This is a new offensive coordinator. You don't have you. You got rid of your quarterback coach. Do you get a special teams guy? Um, you got ready to running back an offensive line coach. So you have to plug all these pieces in. You have to make sure that they work as a, as a cognitive, cohesive unit. They have to work well together for this thing to work. And then again, you have to get these guys to buy into this. What I, I'm calling it a one-year gamble because I don't know what else to call it. And there aren't a lot of high-profile guys that are, having, that are being successful that are going to leave their current situation that might be guaranteed. And guarantee, there's no guarantee in college football, but – as opposed to, are we gonna if we start off the year two and four, two and five, are our jobs done and we got to start looking for another place to live? Mm-hmm. So, I think Nebraska did the right thing. I think they made the right call. 
it's just incredibly interesting to me to see what's going to happen this offseason. Yeah, and really, you could have said the same thing with, with Jim Harbaugh this past season. I know he, he, I know things are looking up for Michigan, obviously, but he was, he took a pay Oh, you cut. know what? That's a good point. He took a pay That's a good it, point. Jim, oh, and he did reassemble, <laughs> he did, he did reassemble his staff. That's a good point, and that seems to be working out. Uh, a similar situation. So, I guess it's not unprecedented, but what I guess my my counter to that would be Michigan has their their recruiting's been a lot better. Um, they've had success under Jim Harbaugh. It's just not beating Ohio State or getting yeah, to the Big Ten true. championship. It's not game. like Michigan's ten. been four and eight or all that stuff, right? So that's why I think it's a little bit different for Nebraska because they're still trying to get over this hurdle. Michigan is still trying to get over a hurdle, but they've always been good. They've never really, you know. They, they've never had to rebuild the program. So, I don't know. It's just an interesting concept. But I should throw that Michigan example in there. That's a good pull by you because he did make some wholesale changes after last season, and then it seems to be working out pretty well for him. Yeah, pretty good, considering some of the other pulls tonight included talking about the transitive property and <laughs> I don't know. We've had a wild day. Fun show. I can't believe that this episode honestly went over an hour. I didn't know what was going to happen whenever we hit record today, but had a good time. Hopefully you all have enjoyed it as well, all of the craziness and randomness. And even though Indiana is pretty terrible right now, hopefully you guys still enjoy this podcast, those of you who are listening. And we'll keep bringing it to you till the end of the season and anytime we have some big Hoosier news to talk about. But until next time, thanks, Dustin. As always, we'll see you tomorrow on Indiana Sports Beat. Right, Justin? All right, it's always fun. (laughs) Yeah, till next time, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you.